Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on U-TurnPodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. Hello, friends. It is another week on the U-Turn Podcast Mindset category, and I've got my friend Aaron Alexander on the line here. I'm so excited to talk to him about his new book, which you can find. It's called The Align Method at thealignbook.com. And those of you non-spelling bee winners like me, (laughs) it's second grade, very proud. Um, You can write A-L-I-G-N for Align. Uh, It's coming out on Christmas Eve, but it's available now as pre-sales and I'm so excited about it. He's an expert on the mind-body connection and the host of an incredible show that you've got to check out called The Aligned Podcast. Uh, And we're going to talk about how your environment informs your physiology, meaning how your environment informs your physical operation, your physical movement, and your physical being. So Aaron, second try recording. Thank you for making the time to be here with me. Of course. Thanks so much for making the time to be here with me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, and the volume is nice and crispy, so thanks. I don't know what you're doing. Um, Perfect. And tell me a little bit just about, you know, I'd asked you earlier about why you're interested in physical movement, and you talked about, you know, like insecurity. Can you go a little bit more into, like, what was your experience of your body, and what do you think you've learned through working with so many people about their experience of their body that makes you so passionate about this? Well, so the initial kind of foray into paying attention to what the heck's going on in my body came from a lot of insecurity. And it was like, I was growing up, my dad was like getting into some interesting drugs and such as when I was around like 15, 16. And uh, in retrospect, I look back and I'm, I kind of, it makes sense that uh, because there was somewhat of instability happening in my home environment, Um, I translated that into bodybuilding and essentially like protecting myself via slamming slabs of muscle onto my body as fast as I possibly could. And so there was instability at home, which translated to me hypercompensating with stability in my, my own physicality. And then that eventually translated into, uh, imbalances and then injuries and, just all the things like anxiety and pain and all, all the stuff. And then, um, yeah, and it's been a, a journey of putting the parts back together. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I found really interesting in working with clients over the years is uh, just uh, it's as we're changing the physical body, in order for the body to actually sustain change, um, the environment that person inhabits themselves into needs to change. Like there's a, a quote from Albert Einstein. He says the, the particle is contained and regulated by the field. 
And so the, the feel, like you're the particle, Ashley, and then the field is your house and your office and your travel and even your thoughts and your feelings and your relationships. All of that forms the way that you hold yourself. Mm. Um, and so uh, that's, that's where I find the whole conversation very fascinating. And that's after, you know, about, I don't know, probably at least 10 or 12 years or so of looking at things much more mechanically and scientifically. Um, and now things have gotten a little bit more weird over like the last five years. I'm like, huh, interesting. These whole thoughts and feelings and all that stuff really is kind of like guiding the ship. And the physical body is also, it's the two ends of the same rope, essentially. Okay. So this gets me curious because I know I was asking you, you know, just around this idea that a lot of people resist physical movement and I'm one of them. Like, especially when I have a really long work day, I'm like, oh my God, getting out and running, I need to like sweat and then I need to shower and I have this dinner later. Like, what are the thoughts that you have to offer people who perhaps resist physical movement? Like, what are some of the benefits of the physical movement that maybe they're not considering? Well, uh, I mean, lots of things. One, I think before we were talking about, I, I think it's if you are a person that is able to sustain stillness, like true stillness, um, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like, that's something that that's a pretty darn sought after attribute for most of the Eastern world, at least. Um, you know, so being able to sit in contemplation and like truly be still, and that's the thing is like, for the most part, people, their stillness is more, they're still being wound up by social media and wound up by TV and wound up by ads and wound up by, you know, all those little like micro movements, mm -hmm. uh, of their, of their mind. Um, you know, so I would, I would challenge you to people listening. If stillness is like, yeah, you know, I really like sedentary quotations. Uh, we'll see if you can like sedentary the shit out of yourself and like really go deep into that stillness, um, and actually like make a practice of stillness. Mm. Uh, but then as far as the movement aspect, it's one of the most beneficial things that a person can do to reverse and prevent cognitive dysfunction has been there's like a dance with dance in particular there's a study done at the um it's the albert einstein college i'm referencing einstein a lot apparently mm -hmm. um and so that was a, they they had people do like crossword puzzles and had people play croquet and had people do all these different things and they found that that there's something about dance that lights the brain up more effectively than almost anything else you know, so you're coordinating your, your body to sound, which is, you know, that's a pretty complex thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you're coordinating yourself to another person. You're activating social engagement. Uh, you know, so the body craves adaptation. You know, so if you can put yourself into an environment where there is various different things to adapt to, your body kind of, you think of your body like, a, like one of those wind-up flashlights. You know, so you need to wind up the battery in order to get energy, in order to get light to come out. Mm -hmm. you know, so, you're, so if you're feeling kind of sluggish or low or depressed, one of the most effective things any person can do is literally manually go in and start winding up their flashlight via going out for a walk, looking up into the trees, and we can get into how sight affects the way that you feel and your physiology. Uh, but yeah, you got to wind yourself up. Okay. And, you know, I'd asked you a little bit, just this idea of sitting being the new smoking, like, wanting to circle back on what are your beliefs for maybe your everyday office professional who barely works out like, or, or just doesn't really think about their posture. You know, I see a lot of people with bad posture and I often can be one of them. So what are some feedback you have about what that means for them? Um, to me, I found that sometimes it hurts to sit with good posture. Like it hurts uh -huh. my back. Yeah. Well, so then a person would have to define good and then, um, 
you know, so that's the thing is there, there isn't really a, a, a good or best posture posture. There's the posture that fits your body most optimally in that moment. Um, and that can change. Uh, you know, so there's no, an, an interesting thing is there's not of the research that's, that's been done around posture being associated to pain. It happens, it exists, but it's not necessarily causation. Like there is correlation, but there's lots of situations where people have, you know, it looks like their spines on the edge of blowing out or their knees like hanging on by a thread, uh, but they don't have pain there, but they might have some like shoulder stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and then the same thing on the other side where people have chronic pain or fibromyalgia or some serious issue, but then you look at the MRI, the x-ray, like, nope, it looks com- structurally completely good. Mm-hmm. You know, so that gets into a whole question of, like, what is pain? Um, but posturally, something that people can play with because, you know, if you're sitting on your chair, something that you can, you can think about is you always have the weight of gravity being distributed through your body, you know, 9.8 meters per second squared. You always have this weight kind of keeping you on earth. And so imagine as you're sitting on a chair, imagine if you had, say, instead of it just being that weight of gravity, imagine if it was like 50 pounds or 100 pounds on your shoulders or on your head. Uh, if you can sit in that position and kind of visualize your spine almost lengthening up into that weight uh, or just look at any baby as a baby starts to sit up from the ground you know they, they kind of roll over and they extend their spine and they get up their hands and knees and then they squat and then as they're kind of sitting on their butt they have this really beautiful stacked alignment from their head all the way down to their hips um, that's essentially what in the, the book the align method uh what i'm guiding coaching people towards is being able to get to a point where they they have this kind of unrestricted balanced stacked uh posture but the posture shouldn't be a controlled thing you know the, the end goal with any kind of postural work is for you to be able to forget about it entirely and just be in your physical experience so what is it what's happening if somebody has is like when they try to sit with good posture, it hurts. Like what can someone do to get their posture back? A lot of things. One, I mean, I think that you kind of hit it with like, oh, well, what we're talking about before is like meditation, I think is very valuable. You know, if you, if your body is, if your mind is wound up and you are contracted in thoughts, then you will be contracted in your physical body. You know, and when we have physical pain express itself in the spine or the shoulder or maybe a headache or something like that, um, it, there's a lot of interest. There's, there's a book called uh, Healing Back Pain by a guy called Dr. John Kirsch. We actually share the same publisher, uh, which I thought was really exciting because I really love that book. And he calls it tension myositis. And, and what that is, or he describes it, is that a really high percentage of people with chronic pain in their body, he describes it as being actually repressed emotions, repressed sadness, repressed anger. You know, so if you have thoughts swirling around in your body, like think if you get scared or think when you get stressed out. For the most part, when someone is stressed, all of a sudden that's when their back pain starts shooting up. All of a sudden, that's when their shoulder starts getting sore. Oh, man, I need a shoulder massage. All of a sudden, they start getting a headache. All, like, that's when all of those physiological, that, those cascade effects come in. And so one interesting thing is look at that. I'm like, okay, what's swirling around in my mind that I do sit? And as I'm just sitting here being in my body, I'm in pain. Mm. Um, so that's one perspective to look at. It. So for anybody and, listening to just kind of stop and say, if I just kind of tune into my body, what hurts or what doesn't feel comfortable? 
Yeah, yeah. And then you could, you could uh, a practice that a person could get into is, okay, so instead of observing that pain, maybe I'm going to observe my breath. You know, so I'm going to sit here and just watch my breath move for the next three minutes. You know, or maybe I'll do like a, like a box breathing type pattern where I'm going to breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold it for four seconds. You know, and start to bring my attention back into something that's not in pain, um, you know, such as your breath. It could really be anything. And I just got into archery, you know, so I'll go out and I'll shoot my bow and all of my attention goes into, you know, get a stack of my feet and the breath and drop my shoulders down. Now I'm looking down on the site and I'm seeing... You know, it's really hard to be distracted by anything else. And all of a sudden, um, if you are present, which is kind of like a, you know, a, can be like an annoying word because it gets used so much. Um, it's really hard to be stressed out or to be anxious or to be any of those things. And so that's, that's the, the mental perspective. We can talk about the physical, like more specifically physical aspect as well. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, definitely. I, um, you know, like I'm just kind of like I was saying, it's like I see you and so many other people who are so um, they feel like they have so much flow with respecting their body, eating the right things. Um, and it seems obvious, right? It's like, yeah, they eat that thing because it feels better for them than the other thing. But there's so many of you listening, including me, that we're still going to pick up the cookie or we're still not going to go to the gym or um, whatever. And yet... Um, the, you know, wellness and, and movement is known to reduce stress and 77, I I was just reading 75, 77% of all serious illnesses underlying stress. So I, I would love some feedback from you, I guess, on just like stress management or small movement things people could do in their office or at their desk that could really change their body perhaps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then there's, I mean, and I think it's even higher than that. I mean, if you look at almost any form of, of disease or dis-ease or, or illness, um, somewhere in the definition is going to be the word stress. Uh, you know, so a, there's a, a quote from Andrew Taylor Still, who is the, the, the father of osteopathy, he's the founder of it. Um, he says, harmony dwells where obstruction does not exist. And so if you can go through and seek out the obstructions in whatever form, it could be being stressed out about a relationship. It could be stressed out about um, maybe you own a car that you can't afford or maybe you have, you know, like you're, you need to pay some special attention to finances or um, your nutrition. You have some type of your allergen in your fridge that you just keep on eating over and over over again. And you're like, ah, why am I always so stressed out? You're like, well, you literally have this parasite living in your fridge that you just keep on passing through your body. Um, so I think, you know, have like checking in and maybe getting some blood panels and seeing if, if there is something that you're chronically eating that you're having an allergic reaction to is a relevant thing. Um, as far as office stuff from, again, a, a mechanical perspective, which is in large part what the book is about, um, put your office setup near a window so that you can look out that window with regularity uh, because your visual system is tied into your the state of your autonomic nervous system. So when you're looking up myopically close and zooming in on a thing with your eyes, it's literally a contraction of what's called the ciliary muscles of the eyes. It's like you're putting yourself into this focused, contracted state, which is tied back into putting you into more of like kind of like a sympathetic fight flight, which is again, it's just maybe unnecessary words, but it puts you into this executive function, get shit done type state. When you blur your vision or when you look out over the panorama, 
it puts yourself into that opposite side. And all of a sudden, like people think about now, if you just imagine you're looking out over the ocean or you're looking over the mountainside, typically the tendency is the first thing you'll do is have this, this, uh, you'll have this sigh, like, oh, you know, like stress is like pouring out of your body just because you're looking up into the trees or looking out over the ocean. Mm. Well, you know, that kind of gets me wondering because I'm a very aesthetic person. Um, meaning, you know, and it was one of the biggest challenges I had working in counterterrorism because when I worked in the Pentagon, I didn't have a window, like unless you're a general or like a colonel or somebody that has like made it in the ranks, you don't usually get a window. Um, and so I was very affected, not just by my own office space, but by what I was looking at on the computer all the time. And It wasn't until my more adult years where I got an apartment in West Hollywood and I had, it was a very white and lit up apartment and it had beautiful windows and that I, it it really soothed my spirit. And I also get that some people don't need the aesthetics as much as others. Um, Do you have any research or just thoughts on what your environment does for you? Like on a physical level, like, is it messy? You know, is it dark? Is there light? Do you have any thoughts on that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so one thing that's, that's, interesting there has been uh various research that i don't have that i don't i honestly remember exactly what it is i didn't include some some in the book because it was a little bit like hypothetical um but there has been research people can look up that the the difference of being in a messy environment versus an organized environment essentially being in an environment that's more organized from what i read uh allows the brain and the body to almost be able to distribute more bandwidth or attention into whatever the task at hand is Whereas when you're in a place that has a bunch of crap everywhere and closing the floor and all that, you kind of have this, it's like psychic real estate where you're kind of paying attention to where all those different things are. Um, and I think that by being your environment and your posture and your clothes and your home and your everything is always a part of a feedback loop reaffirming who you are or who you aren't. Mm-hmm. And so if you put yourself into a, your home and it, you know, you kind of, it's like, well, this place is kind of a piece of shit. Um, it's going to be hard for that not to reflect back on your own self-worth. And then it would be hard for that self-worth to not reflect back into like, oh yeah, I'm like a McDonald's big whopper. I don't even know what it's called. Whopper, big whopper, big, big Mac, big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm like that. I'm Clearly like that kind of guy. Clearly haven't had enough whoppers yeah, this year. I'm like growing up, I did that anymore. But, I, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm like that kind of guy. You know, I got, you know, there's like, you know, mustard stain on the carpet and, you know, I've got clothes hanging up and it's like, yeah, no big deal. Let's get some chicken nuggets. Yeah. You know, but if you're a person like, no, I take care of my shit. You know, and I, you know, I handle my business and, you know, I take care of my, I I breathe in such a way that that feeds my physiology and I walk in such a way that I feel confident and strong and I sit in such a way that does the same thing. And then when I go to the grocery store, I'm like, yeah, like, let's get some kale or whatever, you know, like something that's, that's, that actually feeds my body because I'm operating a system that, you know, it's an expression that I give a shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's well, so there's kind of like somewhat of a scientific perspective, but also I think more of just like a, what I deem to be logical. You know, well, your yeah, environment just, affects the way you feel. Yeah, it's just like a positive feedback loop. Like stand, stand tall and you happen to feel better. I mean, there's all that research on if you smile, you start to feel happier. And I even actually yeah. read a study that showed new evidence for the mind-body connection where for the first time researchers are showing that practicing mindfulness med- meditation – 
or even being involved in a support group, not even meditating, has had a positive physical impact on at the cellular level in breast cancer survivors. So yeah. I know that this is real. And I guess I want to kind of hone in for everybody listening on these few categories. We talked about office travel and health. Um, what can some people do in their office today, right now, on a daily basis, a couple simple things that can really help their their physiology? Um, yeah. and, and what are some things they're doing that they might not even realize in the office that is is killing their physiology. Yeah, so, the, so one thing is, uh, like I mentioned, get a window. Ideally, open the window so you're actually getting that full spectrum of light and you're also getting that uh, that natural air from outside. You know, So as opposed to being in deionized, air-conditioned room all the time, you know, like if you're breathing air-conditioned air, it's not quite uh, so nutritious, you could say, as breathing air from like walking through the woods, for example. Shinrin-yoku is a fancy term in Japanese for, for nature bathing. Um, and, and they get into all the research of how just literally being outside around plants, literally it's beneficial for your immune system and beneficial for you know all every aspect of you. Being near plants is really helpful. Within that, you can get some plants for your office. You know, so there's an interesting study that you might have heard of that was done by NASA where they were they were breaking down like the top most oxygenating plants that uh, for astronauts to literally be able to take into space. And so like snake plants, for example, that you can you can look it up on the, on the Internet to see which ones. Uh, but fill your place up with plants. Um, it's going to be better for you to breathe. But once again, like you're literally people thrive on community. You know, there's that other research that said and again this is probably dubious and it's unright as well i think most research in science is um but they the it was you probably heard it like the loneliness is more detrimental to your health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day have you heard that before yeah yeah you know so what, whatever it is it's it's it, loneliness is one of the worst things that you can do to yourself essentially and community is one of the best things the longest longitudinal study done in harvard started in like the 30s um, where they followed people throughout their whole lives and their, their kids, their offspring, uh, found that community was the, the highest indicator of uh, optimal health for people into old age. So when they felt like they had that community, then they did well. If not, then you know, they kind of their health uh, declined. And so plants, I mean, they're living beings. You know, you have to pour water in them, and they respond to music, and they respond to, to, to people. Mm. So I think that that's a simple way if you are maybe a more like isolated cubicle type person that doesn't have a lot of contact with with people as much as maybe you'd like, um, start, get a bonsai tree, Mm. you know, or, you know, get a plant, like take care of something, Mm. you know, a puppy, you know, anything that's like, yeah, you know what, I'm, I, I, I'm like a caregiver, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you have something to give care to, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's shown to make you healthier. And again, it's just logical. Mm. Um, You also had an exercise for sitting at your desk more properly. Can you kind of slowly walk everybody through that so they can kind of visualize or even try it right now to help their posture and their, their focus? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the chapters in the book, I'll I'll break down sitting in a chair, but one of the chapters in the book and the the five movement principles that everybody ought to be integrating into their life is just spending more time on the ground in general. Um, So we'll we'll, we'll talk about that as well and the value of that because it's huge. Um, But when you are on a chair, chair is just a, a tool, just like anything else. And the issue with chair sitting, like James Levine, I think we, we might have mentioned in the other conversation, but he's the guy that coined the term sitting as the new smoking. Yeah. And um, that's kind of sort of true, but it's not sitting itself. It's the amount of sitting. You know, so any sitting is just a range of motion. 
And so when you're in that hunched over position, that's inherently putting stress on your lower back. And it's kind of like putting you into that, that archetypal position of kind of like feeling glum, mopey, depressed, mm-hmm. you know, depressed is the number one leading cause of disability worldwide. Um, and I emphatically know there's a mechanical conversation there that's not really being had. That's a large part of the goal of the Align Method book uh, is to break down that, that posture personality connection. You know, so as you're sitting in your chair, people right now, they can reach underneath their, their butt cheeks and find these little bones kind of just like, right, kind of like the middle inside. And it's called the ischial tuberosities or the sit bones. And when you're sitting down, you want to pull those butt cheeks straight back and then be sitting on the front edge of those guys. And that will set up that sacrum and that lumbar spine for uh, balance, support, stability, success, confidence, all those things. Uh, and then from there, something people can play with is uh, make sure that your chair is high enough so that your hips are above the height of your knees. And that will naturally put you in that position that I'm describing. And you'll have a little bit of weight distributing your feet. And then imagine there's a string. This is the last thing. Imagine there's a string pulling up to the back of your head. So it's almost creating a little bit of an elongation and like a lightness through your spine. And from here, I lied. That's not the last thing. This, <laughs> this is the last thing. Um, bring your hands to the side of your ribs and breathe out horizontally or laterally into the side of your ribs, the lower ribs, uh, to start to engage and turn on that diaphragm. You do the same thing reaching your hands and your low back. That will traction your, your, your lower back a little bit, massaging your organs, and will put you into a more parasympathetic, calming, rest, digest state. Compound that with looking out the window. Compound that with introducing nice sounds into your office environment. Um, and you're going to be doing a lot better. Okay, that's helpful. Hey, U-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to uturnpodcast.com slash clarity. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. You know, I love like this idea of keeping your uh, window open, the plants, like doing this exercise with your body. Um, Also, this gets me curious um, outside of, you know, what you're doing with your body. Do you have any thoughts on breaks people should take or just any other things that can influence their well-being and their physiology from being stuck at work all day? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, in the Align Method book, I break down, I I recommend people you. Uh, utilize the uh, essentially your version of the Pomodoro technique, which is concentrated work segments of about 25 minutes. Pomodoro technique is exactly 25 minutes, uh, but whatever works for you. Uh, so you can set a time for 25 minutes and then have after that timer goes off, take a five minute chill, you know, so that could be taking a walk, ideally outside. Um, you know, and as you're doing that, be exercising all the other tools laid out in the book. So looking up into trees, uh, paying attention to your breath, walking is one of the chapters in the book as well. Uh, and really walking is immensely valuable, not just for burning fat or, you know, feeling generally good, but actual memory consolidation as well. So if you're just, which our, our present educational model for kids is kind of a little bit funny, uh, because we're essentially like, like we think more is more, but that's not true. Um, some of the best schools in the world, I think it's 
Finland has some of the best schooling systems, or the, the pretty sure it's Finland. There's a book uh, or a uh, documentary from Michael Moore, "Where to Invade Next." Have you seen that? No, it sounds really interesting. I love, oh, yeah, you I love a good Michael out. Moore shit stirring. I'm always open yeah. to it. Oh, it's so good. So yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Finland. It might be Norway. It's one of those one of those countries in Europe, like Northern Europe, and um, they have you know the the highest GPA, and the kids are like they're they're, they're just. It's the best schooling system in the world, and one of the things that stands out about them is they don't have homework, uh, they have shorter school days, um, and they are actually, you know, less can be more when we're filling information up into children's brains because children and adults thrive on movement. They thrive on creativity. They thrive on play. They thrive on, you know, all those things that naturally you'd see any bonobo, you know, or like... 99% of our DNA is similar to that of Bonobo, or 98.7, I think. Um, you know, so if you look at an animal in nature, the way that they learn and process information is through movement mm. and climbing and rolling around and playing with each other. And, you know, the model that we're in is kind of this, like, hey, just sit still, stare at the screen, and keep on putting information in. Yeah. And eventually the cup gets full and you kind of burn out. Yeah. So I would say 25 minutes on, five minutes off, and then, you know, you come back to that. Eventually you take a longer break. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. I I was having this whole kind of meta, like, thought process the other day of, like, were we even built to work like this? Like, I was thinking about cavemen and how they, yeah. like, hunters and gatherers, they got food and the women in the village. And I was just thinking, like, we weren't even built for this. But then no. I kind of started thinking, well, maybe we've evolved as humans to be built for this now. Um for these laptops. I'm, I'm also kind of curious just to move into travel. I know a lot of people who, you know, whether they travel for work or they travel for pleasure, it hurts their body if they're not mindful of it. So what are some ways that traveling hurts or helps the mind body connection? Um, well, so a few things that people can do to optimize their travel, optimize if I kind of have resistance against because one of the, the buzzwords, but nonetheless, it's, it is a word in the English vocabulary. Um, you know, so something that a person can do is most of your seats when you're driving or on a bus or train or plane or whatever, they're shaped in that, that kind of bucket position, which puts you into that archetypal depressed mopey type position. Mm -hmm. Um, so something that people can do because that's not going to be, it's, it's not set to stack your spine up for balance and integrity. So something you can do is just like, as you're traveling, put you know, a sweatshirt or maybe like a small water bottle or something like that. And you throw like a shirt over it um, in and around, around like thoracic spine territory to kind of make that seat be a little bit flatter. So you're not just shoulders collapsing forward and head being pushed forward and going into that position that if you would look at somebody, there's an interesting uh, photographer. He took a bunch of photos of various different people holding their cell phones and you might have seen this, and, and he, he photoshopped out the cell phones, and what he, like, it's, like, so poignant to see people in that position, because it's, like, everybody just looks sad, you know, so you see all these people, when they take this phone out of their hands, you're, like, oh, man, like, what's wrong? Well, it's the same thing with most of the, the travel setup, the seats that we're in. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing people can play with is, if you are going to be sitting for a while, get compression socks. So the way that your body uh, is able to circulate that lymphatic fluid and, and blood in general, but especially the lymphatic fluid, um, is through muscular contraction. 
And so something like spending more time on the ground naturally goes through that contraction and kind of like massages those lower compartments to move that stuff back to the heart to be recirculated mm-hmm. and the lymphatic, lymphatic glands. Um, you know, so something like that, if you're sitting on a plane for a while, get yourself some compression socks, readjust the height of that or the, the shape of that seat for yourself. Uh, get up and take a little walk, lunge, break every hour or so. You know, so you could go for every hour, give yourself like five minutes in total. If you couldn't get up for two hours, give yourself 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be a, a, a starting point. Mm, okay. And I know a lot of people experience jet lag. Do you have any hacks for your wellness when it comes to jet lag with your body? Mm, yeah. Uh, ground yourself as soon as possible. You know, so literally as soon as you get off of an airplane, um, get your feet into the ground, hang out by some trees. They're really helpful with uh, when you're exposed to a lot of electromagnetic frequencies and dirty electricity, electricity and you know all of the different invisible frequencies that kind of send our nervous system, make it, make it kind of haywire. Um, putting yourself near trees is really helpful with absorbing some of that. Um, expose your skin to sun as soon as possible. Um, and then to reset their circadian rhythm, uh, get yourself up in the morning uh, as, as early as you can, essentially, and try and catch the sun rising as soon as can. And that sun exposure literally starts to reorient your hormones and your whole physiology towards, okay, this is the time that we're, we're waking up. Um, it's really valuable to expose your eyes to the sun as well, especially early in the morning. Uh, so that that sun passes through, it's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, and it's associated with production of various different neurochemistry. And if you're going out for a morning walk and you're wearing sunglasses and you know a turtleneck uh, and pair of pants, you're doing yourself a huge disservice uh, because the sun. Uh, back to the analogy of winding yourself up, like a, that might have been the other conversation as well, actually. But think of winding yourself up like a flashlight. You know, so one of those battery turn the wheel flashlight things Mm -hmm. Uh, movement is a way that you can wind up your batteries and sun is another way as well so i think use nature as a tool to unwind that that jet lag but if you are you know going from plane to hotel room to having a beer wine or whatever and then you've got your glasses on and then you go back into another business meeting inside um yeah you're you're biology is like, dude, I don't know what we're doing. Like you need to tap me back into nature. Yeah. Okay. And going into health overall and just how your environment informs your physiology. Uh, I know some people listening, they're going to pick up some plants today for their office. They're going to do that spine exercise. You said, um, you know, they'll think about travel. I'm curious with travel, by the way, before I even get into health, do you ever use melatonin for your sleep or do you think that that hurts your physiology? I do if it's – so I will only essentially use that one if, if for whatever reason. Like sometimes, especially I do – it's kind of a bummer. If I do like big interviews or I have some big public speaking thing or whatever, um, sometimes I get wigged out and I get like really excited. Yeah. Um, and so I will use that occasionally for a tool if I'm like, dude, I'm just not falling asleep. Um, the other time that I, I think it is – reasonable to use is if you are changing time zones and you're trying to nurture your physiology back into, okay, like around this time, I know it's only six o'clock or whatever, um, but around this time, um, I'm setting myself up to start boosting myself up to, to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can kind of like brace yourself for some of the impact of having a, a large uh, time change. 
by starting to kind of like gear yourself towards bed and melatonin can be helpful with that. Um, you know, but I wouldn't use it with regularity. It's a, it's only, it's like a, it's a tool. Yeah. You know, so that would be the only time I'd use it. Yeah. And those of you who've never used melatonin, it's been a game changer for me with jet lag. I, I wasn't going to weigh on all unless Aaron was like giving his thumbs up, but yeah, no, I, I use it every time I go to Europe and the first two yep. nights, usually I know that it's going to be hard for me to sleep even the first three nights. And mm-hmm. so I'll do like one and a half milligrams of melatonin and I just go straight to sleep and I'm right on their time zone and it's majestic. So um, totally get where you're at with that. And so kind of going back to health, like what are some thoughts you have for people when it comes to their environment and their physiology that they should be considering as it relates to their health? Well, another thing that people can do in another chapter of the book is the value of just getting your arms up over your head, um, ideally hanging. Uh, for some people, you know, believe it or not, hanging would actually be a big ask because uh, we haven't done it for so long. Uh, and if not, literally just getting your arms up over your head in general is really valuable. You go to any yoga class or most fitness classes in general, that's something that's going to be happening a lot. Um, there's all like the power pose, and, you know, raising, opening your shoulders from up, up and affecting your physiology and you know, thoughts and feelings and all that. Um, and it literally just starts to change the structure of that shoulder girdle. So when your shoulders are chronically being rolled forward all the time from looking at your phone, being hunched up in those seats on the computer, uh, it starts to create structural change in that position. It's hard to get out of that position. Uh, so something as simple as far as environmental change that people can do that's going to have huge impact is go to somewhere, Bob's Sporting Goods or Amazon or whatever, and get a, a little pull-up bar for your doorway for 30 bucks, um, or find like a tree branch in your yard if you have one, and just spend, I recommend in, in, in the book, a total of an, a uh, minute and a half just spending time literally just hanging uh, each day. And so that could be like 15 seconds times six or whatever variation you want. Uh, and it will start to open up the lungs. It will start to open up cardiac tissue, open up the heart, um, and literally start to restructure the shape of that shoulder girdle to be more in alignment. Mm. So, mm. so that would be that be. And there's there's literally a whole book on this called Shoulder Pain Question Mark by a guy called Dr. John Kirsch, um, and he was an orthopedic surgeon that found that. Uh, patients that were dealing with shoulder pain that they were potentially going to get surgery for. He's like, what if we just do this hanging thing? You know, it's like you're, if you believe in evolution, your ancestors likely spent a lot of time doing it. Uh, brachiating is a fancy term for it. Yeah. Um, so that's like, you're a brachiator. Like you're naturally the shape of your collarbone and your hands and everything. Like you, like you naturally are a, a hanger. Mm. And so he suggested people do that, and sure enough, uh, a ridiculously high percentage of the people that would have potentially gotten some type of surgery for impingement end up being like, oh, we're actually good. We're all healed. Great. Fantastic. Okay. It's free and easy and safe. That's great. And and um, I don't know, for anybody listening who maybe they just have a lot of resistance to this stuff um, because it requires a new pattern or habit in their life. What would you say, kind of looking at our conversation, is the one thing that it's like, if you don't do anything, at least try this? Well, so first of all, the, the, the book is broken down. Like the first analogy that I have in there is um, how, you know, if you think of like a golf ball or a club hitting a, a golf ball, if it's off upon contact by, you know, just even like a millimeter or centimeter, you won't notice the difference for the first maybe 20, 30 yards. And then all of, all of a sudden, eventually you notice this huge difference, whether you shank the ball or it goes straight out into the, you know, wherever. Um, you know, so it's a similar thing with all these little micro decisions that you have throughout the day. So if you're a person that just needs dramatic 
radical change in order for things to stick. Like that's, that's fine. You know, go do that, sign up for an ultra marathon or something. Um, but everything that, that we break down in there is all little micro adjustments, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I don't think you need to make any huge, crazy changes. Like the pull up bar thing is like, maybe not even a minute and a half, maybe just as you walk through the doorway, like smile for a second and do a little hang and go, wee, you know, like that little adjustment is actually going to be a really big deal times two months, times two years, times 20 years. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, so I, I would say any of these things, just do a smaller dose if that's more fitting to you. Cause everything really is a pretty darn like subtle millimeter on the, 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 the golf ball or the, the club of the golf ball. Um, adjustment. Yep. Um, but yeah, so paying it. So, and, and outside of that to actually answer your question would be pay attention to your breath. Mm-hmm. You know, so as you're walking, as you're sitting, as you're having a conversation, um, notice is your breath up into your shoulders or your clavicles up in, you know, up high, uh, or can you breathe outside into that, this side of the ribs into the low back because your breath is, it's a one-to-one connection of the state of your mind, the state of your physiology, the state of your, you know, your emotional state, um, to the way that you breathe. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're scared and if you're scared and panicking, no, check out your breath. If you feel confident, if you're having sex, if you're if you're feeling just loved and connected, no, notice your breath. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it will always it will always follow suit. And so that's a really powerful hack in quotations to be able to get yourself into the state that you want. You can literally just guide your breath back to that state. Mm-hmm. And once you figure your breath out, um, then it becomes you know you can be more skillful with using the tool. This is so wonderful. And um, just as we're closing out also, and before I ask you a little bit more about the book, is there something that people can buy on Amazon, like for posture or some sort of tool that you really like for people who really want to make a change in this? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're setting me up. I don't even know if you actually know that I have a, a, a thing called the Align Band. That, no, the, I mean, I, I welcome oh. the Align Band. Talk to me about it. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what it is. Uh, so it's it's a heavy-duty resistance band, and then it has a, a uh, door anchor, and then there's a there's a free online guide that comes with it. People can literally access the guide without buying the band. It's at uh, alignband.com. Um, so if you have your own band, you can just do that. And I break down all that you need to know to adjust postural patterns using a resistance band. Um, I think resistance bands are amazing tools because they're, they're light, they're cheap. Um, you know, they're, they're easy to use. They can be kind of fun. You can use them with a partner as well. Um, you know, and then if you have the door anchor, which I, I include with it, obviously it's got a little traveling case, the whole thing. Um, then you can take that to any hotel room and you could, if you're on a road trip, it might be kind of weird, but I've done it before. Um, where you attach it to the side of your door, you close your car door on it and you do some like flossing out your shoulders and your spine and put it around your hips and do a down dog. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that would be my recommendation if you're asking. Wonderful. And what, where can everybody find you, follow you? Um, I know I already said that they can go to thealignbook.com. Where else can people find you and learn from you? Um, yeah, I mean, that's the main thing is just get the book. Uh, mm-hmm. the release date is, is December 24th. And if you go to the linebook.com to get it, there'll be some bonuses you'll get with it. Um, and then obviously after that, it's been everywhere, bookstores and all that. Um, Instagram is where I frequent the, the most as far as social media. So that's also a line podcast. Um, and then a line podcast is the, you know, that's been like my passion project for almost five years. And, um, yeah, I've, people can start with like the Marion Williamson conversation or Wim Hof or I think Neil Strauss is, is good. I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much my, 
where I'm at. Wonderful. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Thanks again for being on the show. I really appreciate you here. Yeah. Thank you. It was fun. Woohoo. Hello, guys. I'm just thinking about uh, this episode with Aaron about movement. And it was a really tough one for me because I don't freaking enjoy moving. Like, I, I hate to admit that, but I'm unusually sedentary. And by unusually, I mean I probably jog a few times a week, um, but I don't push myself. So maybe I'll go a mile and a half and I'm like, all right, I did it. You know, like I'm not that competitive of a person. And so, um, you know, like I'm always the person that's like, at least you tried and participated, you know. So for me, listening to an expert on movement is always kind of jarring because it's reminding me how much I'm not moving. And if there's anything that I got out of this episode, it was more of a reminder of the fact that everybody moves for different reasons, you know, like Aaron clearly moves so that his body feels good and for a lot of reasons. But for me, I have found that most of my best ideas have come when I'm moving. And I've learned over the years that there are so many different ways to do this. And one area that I love movement is walking. I love to take a long walk. I'm always down when a friend wants to take like a one or two hour or even all day extravaganza of walking. There's something about it I find really nourishing. And so just to remind you that movement can look a lot of ways and it's on you to figure out which way it works for you and to also have that knowing of what are you looking for from the movement? Are you looking to increase your physical wellness, which most people are, or are you particularly looking to do something for your mind? Maybe that will help you tune in to which direction you want to take it. Uh, I wish I had more to say after this episode, but to be honest, I just don't move enough to say it. So these are my thoughts and you know, gotta move your body. What's that song? Bop off your body, body, bop off move your body. Okay. I obviously need to fire myself from this podcast now. Anyway, thanks for listening. Can't wait to connect next week. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, 
and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.